Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the LA Soccer Hub Show. My name is Gio Garcia. Today is Thursday, April 22nd. And as, as you guys know, every Thursday we're talking LAFC. LAFC had an impressive win without Carlos Vela for, what, 80, 80 minutes of the game without Diego Rossi. They got the 2-0 victory over Austin FC. We're going to recap that game. And we're also going to talk about the Sounders game. And also some of the big news today, Bob Bradley talked about Eduardo Twesta, his contract extension. So we're going to get deep into that. But here joining me today, I have two very special guests. The first one, he goes by the name of Andy Diosa. He covers uh, LAFC, LA Galaxy, MLS with Yahoo Sports. Andy, how you doing? Gio, what's going on, man? Happy to be here, man. Happy to be here. Talk some yeah. talk. No. Yeah, so, and we also got uh, LAFC Live, Garrett Rodriguez. Garrett, how you doing, my brother? Doing pretty good, man. Thanks again for having me on, Gio. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm excited to have you guys, you know, here. We got a little different setup now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's exciting, uh, Andy. Uh, I want to get to you real quick. Tell us a little bit. Uh, how long you've been you've been covering the MLS? Because I know you, I know you're with Yahoo. I know you've been with ESPN before. Tell us how long you've been covering the MLS, and, and you know how you got involved. Yeah, man. Really, I mean, it's it's a, a thing that it's been kind of a passion, but it really hit the ground running when I got to Yahoo, which was in October of 2018. So I'm going on three years now. Um, I relocated from the East Coast, got out to LA. And just kind of saw the opportunity. Uh, luckily, you know, Zlatan was around for the Galaxy. And then, obviously, LAFC being the newer team, it was just pretty cool to cover both sides and the different dynamic of everything going on between both clubs. So that's really how it started, man. And and it, it was pretty funny how I went to the home opener against uh, that year was Kansas City, year two. And it really hit the ground running from there. I, I did a big story on Edward Atuesta, which was like my third story. And then after that, it kind of just blew up to, you know, trying to be as many games possible, going to practice, this and that. So I got really lucky. And I actually know Max Bredos from back in Bristol from a long time ago. So that was kind of cool to be able to see him and kind of connect, you know, on the first game here. So I'm just happy to be here, man, trying to do as much work as possible. And then also look at MLS from like a larger lens from the Yahoo Sports standpoint. Yeah, man, you, you do a solid job uh, covering that. I know I see you uh, a majority of the games. You write amazing articles. Garrett, how you been, man? What you what you been up to? What's going on with you? Uh, it's been a, a stressful couple of days because that whole Super League thing. So I'm glad that's done and over with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get too much into it because I'm going to get upset. So we'll just leave it at that. But other than that, it's been a pretty smooth week. Just ready for the weekend already uh, to watch Seattle versus LAFC. Yeah, no, hey man, we don't even need to touch Super League. It, it no, was like it happened so fast. It was the quickest relationship in, in the history of you know talking soccer, and yeah. we don't even got to touch it. We're glad yeah, it's no. over and done with. <laughs> We're glad. What was it Chelsea fans who said football or whoever it was? Oh, right, I, I think it was PSG and Dortmund and Bayern who who didn't join. But you know, nevertheless, it's not happening. Uh, it's good for the sport that it's not happening, and we're here yeah. to talk LAFC. So, so, so we're to talk LAFC. So yeah. let, let's let's start off with, um, you know, 
LAFC had this, this impressive win, right? When Carlos Velo went out, he looked like he was injured, right? And uh, there was a lot of, uh, I guess there was a lot made of, you know, Bob Bradley and Carlos Vela. But I think if you get the win, it doesn't matter, right? I think it would have been different. I guess that's just the way I look at it. But, um, you know, they got the win. I saw Carlos Vela. He looked he looked happy after that. But I think some of the things that kind of stood out for me were how, you know, Pablo Cisnega stepped up, how Mahala stepped up, you know, Corey Bear getting his first goal. I mean, there, there was a lot of question marks about him and how they really finished off Austin FC. Uh, Andy, give me some of your takeaways from this game. Yeah, no, I agree. I think my first takeaway, honestly, I'm going to start with with the defense. I think the defense looked really, really good. Um, not that that's surprising, but I just think coming off of the weird 2020 where they were at the tournament and it was kind of just you don't really know what to expect. Are they as solid as they should be or not? Um, I think Tristan Blackman played really well. I mean, he's probably the player I've seen the most growth out of in, in the past few years out of LAFC. He's not afraid to get up the field and, and make it tough on defenders. Uh, Chiqui Palacios, is, it just continues getting better. He covers a lot of ground. He's doing the same thing, getting behind defenders. Um, and then, not to be biased, but the center back pairing, having two Colombians that really are able to relate to each other and really uh, get one another comfortable. I mean, when Eddie Segura came here, and I still believe this, he's a very soft-spoken person off the field. But, I mean, just watching his movements during the game, he's really in command. He's, he's controlling everything. And... I think that uh, Jesus David Murillo is only benefiting off of him. So I think defensively they looked really, really good. And then along the same lines, like you said, that makes Pablo Cisniega's job 100% easier. I mean, it's not like he was challenged too much. And when he was there late at the end, he made those big saves. So I agree 100% with with uh, with Pablo. I mean, he stepped up and and what, you know, just came out of nowhere, him being the, the number one goalkeeper, per se, a few days after the Kenneth Vermeer news. But, I mean, for the, the amount of times that people talk about Pablo, and I don't know what the – reputation is between fans do they love him do they hate him I always thought he was a great keeper and I'm I'm glad to see him get that number one opportunity because it's really going to benefit him a lot yeah and I think I think we really saw that that confidence of Pablo and the way that he played uh Garrett tell us tell us what, what you thought about Pablo Cisnega's performance obviously it's one game but he looked really good what, what were your overall thoughts uh, he looked really confident, which is something that we haven't seen, I think, for a while. Uh, you know, it's kind of crazy that, you know, day before the home opener, we have Vermeer just terminate his contract and then you got Pablo stepping up. So who knows if he was going to be the starter or not? I mean, obviously, I think he was since, you know, the Vermeer contract got shredded up. But uh, Cisnega uh, looked fantastic. Uh, he looked great. He looked very commanding in the box. He looked confident. Uh, at the very end as well, that kick save, that usually could have been a goal uh, late in the 90th minute or, you know, towards the end of the game. So he looked really good. I know it's one game, so I don't want to go overboard, but um, he looked very commanding and confident. So that's all you can ask for in a goalie. And maybe going forward, this is going to be, you know, the official number one and solid guy in the net, which is something that we've needed for uh, a couple of years now. Yeah, and I think I think the, the the thing that we see from from Pablo, what I see is just like what what I've been talking about is like, hey, just go just go with one one, one keeper, right? And I think we we got our answer. You know, Kenneth Ramirez didn't want to be part of the team, but I think you know this is going to boost uh, you know Pablo Cisnega's confidence even more. And I think it's his job now, right? He doesn't have to think in the back of his mind like, man, if I mess up, like. Kenneth Vermeer is coming in, right? He's going to have a little bit more breathing room. Obviously, we we, we don't want to see what happened last year, and last year was was a tough season. But there, there's a, there's a lot of expectations, and I think I, I feel like I have the feeling that 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 Pablo's really going to step up because uh, it's his job. You know, it's his job to lose. I mean, you you got you got what, Romero who 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 hasn't proven himself in the MLS, right? He's very young. But uh, but I think I, I like what Pablo's been doing. 
Um, quickly in the chat, I want to give a shout out to Galaxy Guy Podcast. He wants to, he says, we'll get into this later. He says, almost everybody has slept on Seattle this season. I'm 100% with you. We're going to talk into that a little bit more, but shout out to Galaxy Guy Podcast to tune in with us. But uh, what, what I want to talk about, I want to talk about the, the offense now. Andy, you, you had a great job uh, talking about the defense. Uh, let's talk about Mahala and the job he did, right? Obviously, when, when Carlos Vela goes down and he gets subbed, it, it kind of looks like, oh man, you don't have Diego Rossi. Now you don't have Carlos Vela, right? Like if you're LAFC fans, you, I think I looked around the press room. People are like, are they going to be able to pull this off? Maybe not. I don't know. You know, because right. You have, if not arguably, I think the best player in Carlos Vela uh, and then uh, their, their golden boot leading uh, score last year was, wasn't available. But what did you think of Mahala's job when he came into the game? Yeah, man. I mean, Mahala, it's it's a very interesting story with him. He's a young kid. Uh, from everything that the players and Bob Bradley say, they just say that he's a great personality, a great person. He really wants to learn. Uh, Mark Anthony K spoke about it today, just saying that sky's the limit for him, that he takes a lot of constructive criticism. And we saw what he did last year when he went into the Champions League game against Cruz Azul and he was able to score that goal. You reward players for the moment. So when Bob Bradley puts him in that game for when Carlos Bella gets subbed out, I mean – it's, it changes the dynamic, right? You're used to – you're preparing all season to play with Carlos Vela, and all of a sudden he's not there. So what happens? I think that he took his opportunities well. The energy's there. Like I said, he's young and eager. And from a from a opposing team standpoint, I mean, it, let's let's be honest. Austin FC was not at all thinking they were going to have to play against Mahala. So it does give LAFC a bit of an advantage to put a player like that that there's not much of a scouting report. And then he, he's obviously learning how the system works. Um, the unselfish goal at the end is just – a great thing to see from his standpoint, just giving that ball up and, and letting uh, Sifu score there at the end. So, I mean, I think he's – I said it at the end of the game. He's only going to keep getting bigger minutes because it's clear that Bob Bradley sees something in him. It's clear that the teammates are, are you know, in agreement with the way he's playing. And for the few times that he's played, he showed great quality. So, I think uh, – I really do think he's going to have a big season for LAFC. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit on, obviously, scoring a CONCACAF game and then seeing his unselfishness, because he could have took that shot, where he, which he passed to Jose Sinfuentes, right? He could have taken the shot. But, Gary, what, what did you think of his performance and obviously passing the ball to Jose Sinfuentes to, to get the 2-0 victory? Uh, well, I just want to say, before the season started, I picked him as my young player of the season, so I'm going to get some credit for hey, that. Hey, there <laughs> we go. Definitely. Get your credit, bro. <laughs> uh, I know it's I know it's only one game, so I'm not going to go overboard. But if, you know, Carlos Vela, I don't know if this injury is serious or, you know, whatever he has, or Rossi. I mean, we got a guy that can step up. We saw the goal against Cruz Azul last year. Um, the guy, you guys, a good foot and he's got a good awareness. I mean, um, you know, football players for LEFC, you want, obviously want to be technically good, but this guy's got good awareness. He's got speed. And uh, honestly, we might have to rely on this guy coming off the bench a lot during the season, which is something that we haven't really had in the past. So a kid like a Poku coming off the bench, maybe a starter by the middle of the season, who knows? Uh, he, he was fantastic. So uh, I'm very excited to see his uh, growth and development uh, during the season. And I think get a couple more goals in there. Like I said, he might be starting soon. So um, very good from a Poku. Yeah, I mean, solid job from a, a Poku and what he what he's done, right? And and I and I like how he came in and he stepped it out. No one can replace Carlos Vela. We we know that, right? But your effort and, and what you do on the field, right? That that's more than what you can ask for. And you know, obviously, we're we're, we're on the press call today, and Bob Bradley spoke volumes of Mahala. He said that you know, I'm just paraphrasing here, but he talked about that everybody loves him. Everybody on the team loves Mahala, right? And that's only going to boost boost his confidence, right? He's learning from Carlos Vela. He's learning from Diego Rossi, right? I think, uh, right? 
we we're not necessarily expecting go- the goals from him, but I think that would be a bonus if he's able to start scoring the goals. But I think the, the breakaways and how we see what he can do on the field, it has to be exciting because, say, if Diego Rossi ends up leaving the summer or whoever, right, Mahala is not, it's not that bad of an option. Now that we, he is proven in CONCACAF, he's proven himself again against Austin FC the first game. And I think if you're LAFC, you're thinking, okay, we have Mahala if Diego Rossi ends up leaving the summer. And that's a, a really good safety net, in my opinion, because, you know, he's doing what you're supposed to do. Another player that that, that I was really impressed with uh, on the offensive side was Corey Baird, right? There, like I said earlier, there was a lot of knowns. He got the first goal. Uh, you know, I asked him after the after the game. He's like, if you know, I was like, you know, what were your thoughts going in? You know, when you took that shot, he's like, if you don't shoot, you don't score, and that that's what you want to hear. Uh, you know, from him because a, a lot of questions were like, does he need? Well, is he going to be able to score? Is he going to be able to? I was, I was, I'm along the lines that I don't think he needs to score, but I felt like there was going to be one or two games that he was going to have to score. And obviously, no one expected Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi not to be available. But Andy, what did you think of Corey Bear's performance? Yeah, I'm in agreement there. I mean, I think that he's taking his chance as well. And I think the preseason, he's kind of shown that a bit. And um, it's it's a system. Man. LAFC talks about this all the time. And as cliche as it sounds, it's a system. And I think the most important thing to remember is that that central person in that system doesn't necessarily need to be the goal scorer. He just needs to be able to fit that role. It's the same way Dio did it. It's the same way Christian Ramirez did it. And going down the line, Bradley Wright Phillips. I mean, you would want them to be able to have that quality to score, which they know that Corey Baird does have. But at the same time, when you have a player like Vela, a player like Rossi, you know that the goals are going to come. So they really just need somebody to fit that system. And I think he is getting, understanding his positioning. He understands where he needs to be, which is the most important part with that LASC offense. So I think that he's clear-cut number one there in that spot. Um, and it's, it's going to keep growing. I mean, the first game, he it, it was kind of on him, knowing that Rossi and Vela weren't there, kind of on him to be able to get behind those uh, defenders and kind of create some problems. And he was rewarded with that goal, whether or not the deflection obviously was a helper. It was like, like you said, if he doesn't shoot that ball, it's not going to go in the net. So he saw an opening, he took his spot, and I think uh, he's only going to be trending upwards for sure. Yeah, and I think one another thing that stood out from him was the work he was doing on the defensive end, where I think I saw him lose the ball and then he he chased down the player. And like, I think that's what you want, right? From, from Corey Baird. Uh, Gary, what, what were all of our thoughts of, of Corey Baird seeing him the first game? Uh, just real quick. Uh, the bet we had, he had a score over 10, right? Was it over 10 goals and I have to get a Corey Baird jersey or was it eight? Oh, that was, I forgot about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we, we had a bet. We had a bet. Well, I didn't have a bet. We, we it was like a statement. It was yeah, like an yeah. over under, but uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, hey. you're, you're, you're invested. I'm hoping because yeah. I'm, I'm hoping he goes just over 10, 10 goals so you can get that jersey. I did see a Corey Bear jersey <laughs> at the game, by the way. Okay, well, I might see another one. So, okay, so <laughs> as far as uh, Corey Baird, I like his work ethic. Um, I think on one of my um, my match reactions after the game, I said that he reminds me. I'm not saying he has the ability of this player, but he reminds me of Carlos Tevez and his role. Uh, really good work ethic. He hustles even if he loses the ball, and he'll score goals, scrappy or not. Uh, and I think, um, you know, going forward, he's going to be hopefully the holdup man, something that we've needed. And I know it's one game and he's got a goal and, uh, you know, it might have took a deflection, but if he doesn't shoot, that doesn't go in. So, you know, if he's going to keep taking shots from outside the 18, uh, that's something that I also want to see going forward the season. Not every goal has to be perfect. If we win the game, we win the game. If we get goals, we get goals. So hopefully Corey Baird could uh, provide that going forward for this team. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's what you want to see, and I think he's feeling more and more comfortable the more we see Corey Bear play in that mm-hmm. system, and you know, getting adjusted. Right, he's got to have to get uh, to know, you know, uh, Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi, but now it's Mahala and probably Danny Musasi who's going to be playing. But I think you're going to be able to see a, a lot of uh, different things from Corey Baird. So obviously, we've been talking about you know. Uh, Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi today. Bob Bradley talked about in the press conference that both of those players are questionable. Uh, so I think I, w- I would assume that, you know, if, if you're Bob Bradley, if you're Carlos Vela, you don't really necessarily need Carlos Vela this game. It's too early in the season. If, you know, you want to be careful with the knee injury, right? And Diego Rossi, it's a hamstring. Bob Bradley did say that Diego Rossi was training, but he's not a full 100%. Carlos Vela was not training this week. So I'm more on the lungs that probably Carlos Vela is not going to play. Uh, you know, Diego Ross is going to be a game time decision. But what what do you make of the news, Andy, uh, of potentially, you know, holding off? Would you hold off if you're LAFC on Diego Rossi and, and, and Carlos Vela? Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. I think that's that's why, you know, everybody wanted to know, because we really didn't know when Carlos Vela went out in that Austin game. We didn't know. I thought it was a neat thing. Other people thought it was, a you know, other things. And, and Bob said today it's a, it's a muscle issue. So for, for LAFC, you're not going to take any risk with Carlos Vela. I mean, after the, what happened last season, um, there's a lot of expectations this year, obviously, as LAFC always has. You keep Carlos Vela on the sideline or, or progressing however he needs to be, however fast or slow that was. It reminds me of last season where every time LAFC would play, the questions would always be, when is Carlos Vela coming back? And he would say the same thing, we're not going to rush this. So it's not going to be a thing that they're going to put him back on the field unless he's 100%. I do say that to say this LA Galaxy game is, is going to come up very fast. And if if LAFC uh, really wants to hit the ground running, I, I probably could see a, a situation where they'll keep Carlos Vela out for a bit. But for the LA Galaxy game, they're going to they're going to want to be at 100. So, I mean, I don't see it being a huge issue with Carlos. You know, you just have to be very careful once again as your star player. You know, you're not going to you're not going to throw him out there when, before he's ready. And the same thing with Rossi. I mean, I could see a situation where Diego comes off the bench. Maybe perhaps in the Seattle game, if, if they do put him on the on the team sheet. But if not, once again, you're not going to rush that because those are the two focal points of your attack. You're talking about the two uh, reigning golden boot winners, and, and you're not going to want to get him into a situation where you're regretting it later down the line. So that's why I was fine with Bob Bradley's decision even to to pull him in that game. I mean, you could argue that all you want, but as a coach, you see one of your, your star player go down that way, and it did look a lot worse than it was. Mm-hmm. Pull, the, pull the plug. I mean, it's the first game of a long season. You're not going to take those risks at this point. Yeah. And the good thing is also they won. Uh, quickly here in the chat, the Mayan Buccaneer says, nine more goals and LASC Live gets Corey's, <laughs> Corey's jersey. So, hey, so hey, man, we're all, we're all rooting for Corey because I want you to yeah. get that jersey, yeah. man. Because yeah, that, me that means Corey Bears scores 10 goals. Yeah. LAFC is rolling. You got you to yeah. assume LAFC is rolling, right? Um, I'll frame it, well, too. <laughs> there we go. So, what, what do you, Gary? What do you, what do you think of, of this? Should LASU hold off on playing uh, Diego Rossi and Carlos Vela? Uh, yeah, I'll be honest. When uh, the whole Carlos Vela thing happened, I was pretty, I was pretty upset. I won't read some of my tweets, but yeah, I was, I was a little pissed <laughs> off about it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is the second game of the season, and we don't know how serious really these injuries are. Maybe they're not even serious, and they're just holding them out. That could be a thing too. I mean, you know, don't always have to tell the truth in these things. But uh, it's against Seattle. I really don't like Seattle, by the way. I can't stand them. But it's a big game. Can we go for Poku up top and Baird and, uh, you know, throw in Masuski? Sure, why not? Let's just do it. If you want to preserve him for the Galaxy game coming, uh, you know, coming fast, like Andy said. Um, so 
just hold them out, I guess. I mean, this is only the second game of the season, and now U.S. Open Cup is now not a thing, so there's no pressure to qualify. I mean, there's always pressure in the games, but no pressure to qualify into a tournament to get a trophy. So would you rather sacrifice these players now or sacrifice them during the playoffs and play through injury? I'd rather do the latter and wait till the playoffs to sacrifice the players, and we just hold off for now. Yeah, I think I think we're all on the same lines. I mean, second game, we understand it's Seattle. You want to beat Seattle, but look, second mm-hmm. game in, no need to risk it if if they're not right, if they're not training, if not not fully available. Galaxy Guy Podcast says, I think he will be good. Talking about Corey Baird, Corey Baird scored 15 goals across three full seasons as a starter in RSL. Yeah, and he has a lot of a lot of offensive weapons right this season. But I think. One thing, right, if Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi doesn't play, we're going to see the depth of LAFC, right? We're going to see Mahala play, mm-hmm. you know, potentially 90 minutes. We're going to see uh, Corey Baird, Danny Masovsky. And I think this may help LAFC down the road, right? If, Like I said, if Diego Rossi goes, you have a, a almost a season Mahala and knowing what he would need to do, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think Danny Masovsky gets in the mix there. Corey Baird feels a little bit more comfortable, you know, yeah. and those three understanding what they need to do. And I think and this is going to be a great t- game for LAFC, right? Whether whether Diego Ross or Carlos Velas play, because you're going to get tested. Seattle Sounders just beat Minnesota, which is, I think, is a pretty solid team. They beat them, what, 4-0, 4-1? I forgot what the score. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this is where LAFC is going to be tested in every position. And we know that, I think, Andy, you, I think you talked, you asked Bradley, you know, about some of the challenges that, that they've had, right? We we know that, you know, uh, Seattle Sounders have knocked off LAFC in back-to-back playoffs games. But I, I think no better way to really test your team and te- test the depth of what you have uh, with these young three players. And I think what what I see in this game is it's, it's going to be, right, you want to win the game, obviously. You want to win the game. But if for whatever reason they don't win the game, they're going to learn a lot more about their players, and they're going to know, know more a lot about their defense. They're going to know about their goalkeeper. They're going to know about their forwards because it, it's Seattle Sounders, and they always come uh, pretty tough. Uh, another thing I want to hit on before um, – Bob Rowley talked about Kim Moon-Wan, and I just kind of want to read a quote here. He kind of just paraphrased. Uh, he said, Kim Moon-Wan uh, is still in training at, t- at times just being adjusted. It's all the buildup with him. Moon is not ready to play a lot of minutes. We, we still have to decide if he can give us a few minutes or not, uh, whether he's on the bench. So it looks like Moon may not be available this weekend uh, for them. It uh, looks like that knee. I think he has a knee injury as well. Um, there was a lot of hype behind him, but unfortunately, like Tristan Blackman has has that spot locked down. So I don't I don't think that that's too bad. Um, but now now let's talk about Eduardo Tuesta. Eduardo Tuesta, you know, there's been a lot of rumors with Palmarias. There's been a lot of rumors that you know that there were interests South, South American teams were interested. I asked Bob Bradley, and he pretty much said that they you know they they either have or they're going to finalize the deal. Uh, with their daughter Twista, which I, I think is big. Andy, what what are your thoughts on LAFC finalizing the deal with their daughter Twista? That right there is what you call securing the bag. You have to take advantage of these opportunities, and and LAFC knows Eduardo Twista is he's the guy that makes it. He's the guy that makes the machine run. So the attention is going to be there from the outside. Teams are looking at him. Eduardo Twista, when he was in Colombia, who I followed a lot when he played down there. He, he's he's a young kid and he's growing. He's in MLS. He's grown a lot. He's shown his qualities as a player. One of the best uh, midfielders in the league, which is what he told me he wanted to be when I interviewed him right when I got to LA. So it's great to see, but it's it's not to say that Edward Atuesta is not going to leave. It's to say that if he's going to leave, teams are going to have to give LAFC a hefty return for it. So this is a huge season for Edward Atuesta to keep proving himself with the aspirations he does have to to play overseas. But 
at the end of the day, what Bob Bradley said is right. A lot of these players come here and they are just happy and comfortable to be playing A in MLS and B in the market like Los Angeles. The system that LAFC is working with, they have aspirations to win tournaments. They have they they know that attention is on them every time they step on the field. And that only benefits his players. So I think Fatuesta, as great as he's been and as, you know, as solid as he is and continues to be, this is going to put more pressure on him to be even better. And I don't know how, what that looks like, but when he does start showing that is when teams are once again going to be coming in. So LAFC is smart in doing that because they're not going to let Edward Tuesta walk for any pretty money. You know, they're going to make sure that the return on investment is, is worth them letting somebody like that go. Yeah, Garrett, what, what were your thoughts when you, you heard, hey, LAFC locked it down, uh, Eduardo Tuestas, you know, resigning? The details are still to come. I, I don't know. I think yeah. there's been talk about a year to 2022. Uh, but to yeah. Andy's point, I think it's a win-win for both parties, right? Eduardo Tuesta gets more money, and LAFC are going to get money when, when he leaves. We, we assume he's going to leave. We don't know. It could happen yeah. this year. It could happen next year. But this, to me, tells me that LAFC is 100% focused on this season. Their, their, their goals, right? Uh, MLS Cup has been the big thing, right? Eduardo Tuesta is the focal point. So if you're if you're going to have one player, it is Eduardo Tuesta. But give a, yeah. give me your overall thoughts, uh, Garrett, uh, on Eduardo Tuesta resigning with LFC. Uh, it's fantastic news. Uh, we've been, you know, kind of worried that he was going to leave for, you know, free or just walk out without a contract extension. So this is perfect. Uh, even if it's a year, uh, they're going to have to pay a fee now, transfer fee for Atuesta. And like you said, Gio, I think, I think uh, Atuesta – said in an interview that he's here to win things. So the best case scenario is that we win MLS Cup and then he just bows out with that to a big club like maybe Ajax. I could see him going there, PSV Idahoven, maybe a Serie A team. And plus next year, uh, 2022, we got the World Cup. Obviously, you know, it's every person's dream to be in the World Cup. I can see him maybe potentially being on the uh, Colombian team. That would be, you know, that'd be huge for him. And the only way of doing that, I think, is by moving to a bigger club. So it protects his value right now. He's hopefully going to win some trophies for LAFC before he dips. And uh, like Andy said, he makes the engine run. Uh, he's been one of our most important players, if not the most important player for a majority of these matches. So happy he's going to stay for a year or two, whatever it is, but just enjoy him while he's here. Yeah, I mean, definitely got to enjoy, I mean, what Eduardo Tuesta has done up to this point. And I think, you know, when you look at him and you also look at the game, the, 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 what he did in the game versus Austin FC, right? He, he just simplifies the game, especially for the young guys. He, you give him the ball, it, it changes everything, right? It just just makes it so much uh, easier. And I, you know, I think think they then this conversation for also LAFC, they don't need to be asked about it again. I think I'm glad they were able to, like, you know, do it in the early start of the season because you don't want to a month from now or two months from now, when, you know, when the transfer window starts to open up and, you know, there's rumors and, you know, you don't have to worry about that LA, LAFC no more. 100% they're, they're focused on what's going to happen with this season. And especially also, right, when – with the midfield they have, right? I think we what was that? Mark Anthony K who started. It was a little teep blessing, the movement right then, and then Jose Fuentes coming off the bench. Well, we've known that the midfield has been it's been the, the strong focal point for the, for this team. Andy, give me a thoughts of what they have to do uh, going into into Saturday's game against the Seattle Sounders to get the win. Yeah, man, that's a that's a great question. I mean, I think in the past games that LAFC has played with Seattle, they've done a good job of, of spacing the field and. And Seattle does that very well to their advantage. I mean, I don't know if it's just because they play in a football stadium that it looks like they're running a marathon out there, but it really does seem like they're a very well spread out team. So it makes it harder for those midfielders to stay compact and it opens up those spaces. I've, I've watched a lot of, of Atuesta and watched him try to, you know, chase Nico Lodero, who's probably is not going to play, and chase a lot of these other players. But it's like 
once you start playing in those wings, which is what Seattle likes to do and, and press hard and, and counterattack, it makes it a lot more difficult. So what they're going to have to do is is what Bob says. They're going to have to try to dictate the pace of the game. And the, the upper advantage that Seattle has had against LAFC in these past few games is physicality. I mean, they went to the bank and, and bullied them two years ago in that Western Conference final. I mean, from the very first whistle, they were throwing those players around, and LAFC never matched that intensity. And then last year, you know, it's a, a bit of a different game. You have to start a uh, young a young Christian Torres up top, and, and it was just kind of a little bit of the same thing. Seattle was just faster, uh, more physical, more hungry. So if LAFC really wants to, wants to you know, fight back and hit back, they're going to have to do that. They're going to have to win those aggressive battles, and, and they know it's going to be a physical game because that's – what the blueprint is for Brian Schmetzer's team to beat Brad Bradley's team, and he knows that. And it's going to be it's going to be a fun game. I mean, it's unfortunate that it's going to be without Bella and Rossi, but it's like you said, it's on the midfield to be able to dictate that. So at the same time, you know, playing their game and making sure that their system is is intact like they want it to be. But it's all on the physical side, man. Because if you're thinking about it now, Atuesta, Kay, Latif are are filtering balls not to Rossi, not to Vela. You know, you're talking about. Mosovsky, probably Mahala. So it's going to change a little bit of that dynamic. But if they get, you know, let up an early goal or if they get hit hard in the beginning, will they be able to fight back is really what I want to see, especially from those core three in the midfield, because that's that's really uh, who it's on at this point. Yeah, no, and I think, I mean, like I said, this is going to be a challenge because Seattle is the type of team that will hit you in the mouth, like right away. And they'll, they'll hit you one, they'll hit you twice. And then, then, then you know, the game may, may, be, may be far away, you know, from you getting back because of how great job, what a great job they de- definitely do. But, Gary, what, what are your thoughts on how the midfield would have to play this week against the Seattle Sounders? Uh, starts with Fuentes, first of all. Uh, that would probably be the first thing I would do, but that ain't going to happen uh, because, you know, Certain, I'm, yeah, anyways, uh, Mark Anthony K is going to start. The team blessing is going to start. And, uh, you know, the engineer at Tuesta. Well, we got to be physical with them. Uh, first five minutes, you got to make a statement. I don't care how you do it. Obviously, don't get a red card. That'd be, you know, it'd be stupid. But you got to have, you got to have someone with rough uh, Rui Diaz. Just just give him a little couple of nudges. And I think Tristan Blackman, funny enough, is someone that can do can do that. Um, but as far as the midfield goes, at West is going to have to be on it. I'm, I'm talking running the whole 360 of that midfield, controlling it. Mark Anthony K, um, uh, just make the simple passes. Don't overthink it. And Latif Blessing, obviously, is the engine as well. Uh, he's going to have to be patrolling that midfield. Um, just be physical. Like Andy said, uh, you got to make a statement real quick, too. And it would actually help, too, is, is that if the midfield could find the through balls for Corey Baird to run onto or even a Poku. That'd be uh, really good as well to get an early statement going in that game. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of those challenges, right? We, we know how uh, well the Seattle Sounders how difficult they can make the game, right? They they can make it really d- difficult. And I think the one thing that I feel about Seattle Sounders um, is that they really understand how LAFC is going to play, right? It's no secret they play a four three three, but I think. Seattle Sounders, like what I mean, I think Brian Schmetcher really knows how to at times dismantle LAFC. We've also seen LAFC the other way, you know, beat them 4-1. And, you know, there's been lots, last 2020 was lopsided goals. But I think when you look at the games that matter and look the game, the, the real games, you see the physicality that the Seattle Sounders bring. You see how rough they were on Carlos Vela, that playoff game at home. You see how rough they, they really are and how they really make it known that they're there. And, I, and I'm kind of with you. I, I think Tristan Blackman is a player that can do that to, to Rui Diaz because what I've seen from Tristan Blackman, he gets better every single season. He's gotten every better every single season. He's he's a player that, that you know, once he's on the field, like 
you, you know he's gonna he's gonna do something, right? Something positive. He's gonna impact the game some somewhere positive on the defensive end. I think one of the things that, that I want to see from from this defensive unit is how they pay how they play collectively. Because last season, um, you know, we we know they're good individually, but I think at times collectively has been a big challenge for this team. And I think mm-hmm. we also know how, especially with the Seattle Sounders, because they're so smart on what to do, especially uh, on set plays, and and they're so they know how to find the gaps and everything. What what do you think the um, LISC can do when it comes on the defensive end, Andy? Because we we know even with without Nico Lodero, they they, they still have a, a lot of firepower up top in the midfield. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, like you said, no Nico, obviously no Jordan Morris, so it does change a little bit of that dynamic. But we're still talking about a team that that attacks, and and Rodan and his brother. Uh, Will Bruin's still there. Obviously, Raul Ruiz Diaz, anytime he plays against LAFC for some reason, feels like he needs to prove a point. So, I mean, it's going to be tough. I just think that I always get stuck on this with Bob Rally at LAFC. They they stick to the, what they know. They stick to their system. And but in the in the Western Conference Final two years ago, they that system was dismantled right away. And that's what I'm saying. When you get punched, how do you react? So, I don't necessarily see a game that Tristan Blackman and Chiqui Palacios could play as free as they usually do in push-up because if I'm not mistaken, Seattle played with five men in the back line mm-hmm. against Minnesota. And that's going to be – if they play with five against uh, an attack that doesn't have uh, Velan Rossi, it's going to be a, a game changer, which you bring it back to the midfield. It's going to be a lot of shiftiness in there in the middle. And Seattle's bread and butter is that counterattack. I mean, they when they get on that counterattack, it's like three three touches and they're already composed and already on the other side of the field. So I think for, for the defense, it's going to take a lot of staying home this time. It's going to be – Tristan and Chiki, you could push up, but don't do too much. Because if if you have somebody like Murillo or Segura chasing down, you know anybody, Will Bruin, Rui Diaz, any other Rodans, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. And we saw what Jao Paulo could do. He scored the goal of the week last week. So there's there's options there for Seattle. So I think the defense really has to has to maybe play a little different than they're used to, which it probably is not gonna happen. Because like I said, Bob Bradley likes his system, and he's gonna live and die by that. But once again, if you have Tristan getting caught up in the mix, if you have Chiki getting caught up in the mix, and that and that counterattack hits, it's gonna be it's gonna be easy for Seattle, in my opinion, that way. So I think it's really gonna it's gonna need for them to kind of stay home a bit. You hit on such a great point there, Andy, because I think that's where at times the the weak spot of LAFC or the challenge for LAFC, right? When when you when you push up and you you said if if, if Seattle essentially is parking the bus with five defenders, you know. It's gonna make it hard for any offense. We we saw what they did with Minnesota, and then, and then what they got Guanchope. They got they they got some solid scores, right? And if they can't, they weren't able to break that. But I think right when you when you see that, uh, right, we know LAFC is not gonna change the the four three three. But I'm also with you. I think they may have to not push up as much on the defensive with such a a, a strong uh, counterattack team. Um, how do you, how do you see it, Gary? What what are your what are your thoughts on this on the, on, on this matchup? <laughs> Uh, Andy, <laughs> Andy hit it on the head that Bob lives and dies by the same ways. And if he goes with a 4-3-3, good luck to you. Because if you think Palacios and Blackman are going to have the free range to go up on the wings, it ain't going to work. I would go with a 4-4-2, and I would put out to Weston and Sefuentes in the middle and then have a Poku and Blessing on the wings to support those channels. But I'm not the coach. Uh, but And um, I, I, I honestly I, I don't know how it's going to go because there could be different injuries that, you know, that – People are going to be recovering from their side. Obviously, Rossi and Vela, if they end up playing, maybe it changes how we attack offensively. If they're not there, how is that going to change? 
All I can say is that we can't push up as much as we'd like to. Blackman and Palacios hopefully are more disciplined. And when I mean by disciplined, I don't mean, uh, you know, just staying back the whole time, but attack when you can attack and then stay back when you have to stay back, cover for each other. Also anxious to see Murillo and Segura, how good this partnership's get really going to be. This is a, the, the first big test. I mean, Austin FC, you know, they weren't, you know, world beaters, but this is going to be a really big test against Seattle, who I think is one of our rivals. I, I would assume they're one of our rivals now. I mean, we don't like each other. So it's going to be a big test. Can we do it? That's another thing. We'll find out. You know, I think I think you hit on a point. I think I think the four three three, you know, hits hits it, it, it works well. But I think when a team really understands you, like the Seattle Sounders, and I know we know Bob Bradley has not wanted to to, to change for that. But I, I I'm more of the long the lines, right? We're I, it's clear none of us are coaches, right? But we're here to talk about it and we're, we're here to dissect. But I think what you said uh, potentially of, I think games in any sport, in game adjustments do a lot of things. Right. We, mm-hmm. we saw obviously the galaxy, you know, what Greg Vanny did. Right. But I think a, a team like the Seattle Sounders, I think when you play them, it comes down to half the halftime adjustments because it, the four, three, three is not working. Right. And I don't mean to, to get too much into it, but I think if it's not working with this team and it hasn't worked uh, for a number of years, when does LAFC or when does Bob Bradley? Okay, you know what? Let's try something else. Or you know what? Let's stick. Let, let, hey, I'm. This is my. I'm gonna die and live by my sword, by my sword. You know, <laughs> and then, and that, that may be how he rolls, right? But I think I, I do. I do feel like uh, one or two teams you, you can adjust the, the formation and not be able to push as high. Uh, how do you see it, Andy? No, no, I agree. I mean, I think when it comes to Seattle, when it comes to a team like Portland, who's kind of figured out how to play against the system that that Bob Riley has with LAFC. That's why you see those games be a little different. When when LAFC played Portland a few years ago in the U.S. Open Cup here in, at the bank, it was the same thing. It was Portland came, attacked, attacked, and it was scoreless most of the game, but they were just always the more physical team until they finally broke through. So there's certain coaches that, that they, you know, when you're playing against a Bob Riley coach team, they're going to take that challenge. And then Ryan Schmetzer will be the first one to step right up, and as will Gio Tavarese. So it's true. I mean, that would be great if they did change the formation a bit. But once again, it's uh, it's the second game of the season, so it's gonna it's gonna teach them a lot. Um, Seattle's right back on the calendar, if I'm not mistaken. A few a few games after the Galaxy, they travel to Seattle to play them, so that could be you know just like a little bit. Let's see what happens here, and then go up there with hopefully a, a full squad with Rossi and Vela, and that will be a different game. But yeah, it's it's gonna be those first few minutes, like you say, are important. They're gonna set a tone because if they're gonna let Seattle play that same game that they that they're used to playing against LAFC. It's probably going to be a long day for for Bob Bradley and company. Yeah, and I, th- I think right, well, we want to see how how the top three guys uh, do, uh, right from from top to bottom. But I think also it's it's going to be important. Like, regard if they end up losing, how did they lose? Were they, were they in the game, right, or were they just completely out of the game? Did they did they get dismantled? I think one of the things I'm going to look for is how how they do in this formation, right? Obviously, Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi may not be there, but I think you also got to see right, like how because. They've, they've been four years right as, as a club, right? But they've lost to them in the playoffs, right? I think by this time, you know what Seattle Sounders is going to do to you. So I'm very interested to see what the coaching staff ha- has learned from Seattle Sounders. Like, hey, to your point, right? Do we not do we tell Tristan Blackman and Chucky Palacios not to push up because a mm-hmm. counterattack is more deadly than us? It, it benefits us to stay back more than essentially the push up, right? With the, with the offensive minded. Um, those are the things that, that I'm going to look forward to. What what are you going to look forward to when you look at this game, uh, Garrett? 
Uh, well, what we touched on, if they're going to attack on the channels, uh, you know, Diego Palacios and Tristan Blackman. But, you know, as we talk about, Bob is stuck in his 4-3-3. So when this game got announced, I'm sure Seattle's coach, Brian Schmelzer, or whatever the hell his name is, probably circled <laughs> that game and said, I already know what Bob's going to do. because he's already All three of us know what Bob's going to do. That's what I'm trying to say is that this team is way too talented not to be able to adapt. You know, you know what I'm saying? You, you should be able to play any formation you want with the type of players that we have on this team. But we don't. We play the same thing every time. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, are we going to go with a different formation, maybe a 4-4-2? That would be something I would want to roll with. Uh, injuries, obviously. Is Vela Diego Rossi going to be back? Also, midfield trio, if we do go with the 4-3-3. And then also Palacios and Blackman. I think those are going to be two of the most, if not the most important players on the pitch that day. I know they don't chip them with goals and whatnot, but I'm saying as far as attacking-wise and defensively. And then also uh, Pablo on goal. How's he going to do? This is not just uh, Austin FC or a Colorado Rapids. This is Seattle Sounders who just put four past Minnesota. So he's got to be on his game as well and commanding the box. Yeah, I think I think all eyes are definitely going to be on, on you know, Pablo Cisnegas as well. Uh, quick in the chat, IH3 says, I agree. No idea why I think he's talking about, you know, what we were just hitting on. And I think, right, because I, it's, it's, I don't think it's too big of a deal in the first in the second game right but i think if this comes down the line and if we see the same story then it's like then we can hit on it again right then we're like when when can lafc because we've also seen them win too so it's kind of hard to judge them the only reason we haven't seen them win it's in the in the in the in the knockout games right the knockout stage and i think that's that's where it, it gets a, it gets a little bit more interesting but I, as i look at the, I look at the schedule right i think they got uh seattle sounders and i think i believe they have uh was houston. houston dynamo houston dynamo yeah. and then they got and then they and then they got the, uh the el Tráfico, right la galaxy the, the play away which is you know 15 minute drive so right so you 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 won against austin you're going to have a tough game against uh you know the seattle sounders the houston game kind of looks like a give me to me Right, it looks like so. that, that that that's like a gimme, right? Uh, and then also, if you look at the the El Tráfico, that's a toss up. You no one knows who's going to win that game. You mm-hmm. you never know. It doesn't matter which team is rolling high. It's a classic derby, and that's what we love. So out of the out of the two of the four games, it looks like you know two of them like they won the first one. It looks like Houston looks like a possible a dub. Looks like a, dub, a dub, possible win. This game could 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 do a lot of things for LAFC uh, to start the season because they could go say they win. And then they win against Houston, and somehow they 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 draw or they lose against Galaxy. Just for example, they could be three and one, right, or three three one and zero, or whatever. However, you break it down, or if they lose this game, and then they don't have a you know I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but they don't have a good game with let's say this tie with Houston, and for whatever reason they don't have a good game against Galaxy. You don't want to start the season one one and what two or one you know whatever the math ends up. I think. Yeah. You know, if you can get a point, obviously you want, you want to get the win, but without those two horses, uh, you know, I think if we look at the big picture in these four games, how LAFC does, and I mean, and starting with, with with tough games, and I think this is what you want to see from the MLS. How do you see these these first four games for LAFC, Andy? Yeah, that no, was tough. I mean, I think the the one benefit for for Saturday's game is that it is at home, and and you know, LAFC is is a, a very solidified team when they play at the bank. Granted, it's not it's not the full capacity, but we saw what the fans could do there when they played against Austin. They make noise; it changes the dynamic of how they play. So that that does benefit them. But if we're talking about that, it's three games on the road, right? I mean, I guess we're not going to consider the Galaxy game a road game, but they're going to have to go to to Carson and play against uh, fans that 
that are going to be loud and, 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 you know, yelling whatever they yell down there. So it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Like you said, the Houston game is the one that pops out as, you know, maybe this will be a, a one that they get back on track if they do lose against the Sounders or not. Um, but, man, it depends. It, it could be super hot in Texas. It could be – I was in Miami uh, for the Galaxy game on Sunday, and it was if, – if it's anywhere close to 90 in Florida or in Texas, it changes a lot of how the game goes. And, you know, LAFC is a fast team. So um, it, it is. It's a tough schedule to start. And then looking at the schedule, the Seattle Sounders game in Seattle is right after uh, Trafico. So they good. They get to play that right again. So um, yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting and uh, it's gonna be a challenge for them. It's that which is why I mentioned earlier about the Diego Rossi and Bella injuries. If they if they sacrifice this one game for the greater good of maybe get them back for the Galaxy game or for the Houston game, that's fine. But yeah, LAFC expects results. They don't go out expecting to to lose many games. They want to keep a clean sheet as they talked about today. They they do want to chase that supporter shield as well again. So. Everything's important. We, we could keep saying it's only game two, it's only game three, but for them, all of these are, are games they want to prove themselves. So it's uh, I can't say too much without knowing what the severity of those injuries are because if we're talking the long term without either Bella or Rossi, then it changes everything. But they both seem like they're not anything major, so I think they'll be able to get on track when they're back. But uh, Seattle game on Saturday is going to be a big a big teller of what happens in the near future for these four games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you you hit on the injuries, right? That that that's really going to play into how they potentially perform in the next four games. But but how do you see these next four or these next three games or two games or these first four games? Excuse me, uh, Gary. How how this will potentially play out for LFC? Um, which way, wherever, whichever way it goes. Well, I predicted with the healthy LFC would beat Seattle four two because uh, we're playing at the bank. I know it's not full fully can you know capacity but i mean you, the, the fans are always going to be loud no matter what at the bank uh but with the unhealthy lasc you're missing diego rossi carlos vela uh, i'm still i'm gonna be biased i'm gonna say three two win um uh, we're gonna just win that game of poku's gonna have two goals and hey yeah poku poku times two and cory baird is gonna be on his way to getting me a jersey so okay, you, need a Cory Baird. you need the cory baird you need the cory baird i was gonna say yeah you gotta, yeah you gotta get the cory yeah. baird in there i know i got i got cory baird in there <laughs> so three two <laughs> so three two and i think houston we should be able to whip that ass i'm gonna be honest it should be three zero i don't even know anyone who's on that team besides james hart james harden who's the owner and then um <laughs> and then uh, he doesn't he doesn't even I'm own the team. Well, he doesn't well, he doesn't know he's not even in the city i should say he's not no more in the city Oh, whatever. You know, same thing with Kevin Durant in Philadelphia. Um, anyways, um, and then we got the, you know, reversing Galaxy at their place against the Call of Duty streamer. So that should be pretty good. I think it's going to be um, – I'm not even going to call that one, man. If we, if everyone's healthy, if everyone's healthy, I could see it being 3-3. Those games are always high scoring, and I could see it being 3-3. Uh, non-biased, non-biased. <laughs> Yeah, we got some love from Edgar Casada. I don't know. We can't. We can't read the emojis. I don't know what's going on with Facebook, but just want to give a shout out to him. Um, but yeah, no, I think it, it makes it interesting, right? What what these four games could mean for LAFC, right? We hope. I think we're on the hope that hey, Carlos Vela misses one game, you know, misses one or two games, right? If they if he misses this one and then Houston, like you said, Andy, he's ready by the Galaxy game, and then you, you're fine. You can live with that, right? You, you save that knee, right, for the for the season. Um, but I, I don't think you wanted to get to a point where it's like, oh dang, like last season, right? Because he, he looked like he was ready to come back. But uh, I think you take it, you, you take it with caution. Misses two mm-hmm. games max, no big deal there. We know what Carlos 
Carlos Vela can do. We're not worried about him. I think Diego Rossi, I think it was, it was a hamstring injury. Um, the good thing, he, he was training, right? He was able to train. He was, he was available there. And for whatever for whatever reason, that he's not available for this game. You wait till Houston, and then you have every, you you hope you have everybody or everybody minus Carlos Vela and um, Ken Moon But I think I think it's going to be an exciting uh, season. What what the, what what this how this this is going to shape up for, for LAFC because if say they somehow they get the win or, or a tie. It changes the dynamic for them. It changes the confidence within the locker room, right? Because this team, let's put it how it is. It, it, it's, it feels like it kind of has to be, right, with what we talked about, Eduardo Tuesta, right? What, 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 it talked, what, it, what we talked about, you know, Diego Rossi. This is the year for LAFC, right? If they're going to make a run for, for, for the MLS Cup playoffs, this is the year. And I think if you're a great team, right, regardless if you have injuries or not, you can deal, you're going to have to be able to deal with those injuries next man up, right? Next man up mentality. And I think that's what we're going to see this Saturday and how LAFC is going to, going to handle it. By no means do I feel like LAFC is like, oh yeah, let's, let's get a tie or let's go. No, they're coming to win this game. I, I completely understand that. Any team that's coached on the Bob Valley, any team uh, that has Carlo Vela, Carlos Vela on this team, whether they're, he's playing or not, they're coming to win this game, right? But there's going to be a lot of challenges, and how do they overcome those challenges within this game? Because, like I said, they're going to get punched in the mouth, and it depends. Like, how are you going to be able to duck? Are you going to be able to do some things when when Seattle Sounders? And I think, it, like I said, I go back to this: what has LAFC learned from the Seattle Sounders? And you know, I also want to see like how Mahala breaks out in this game, right? And we want to see more of those young guys, right? I'm not sure if Christian Torres is going to be available for this game, right? There's a lot of depth of top, right? But at the same time, there isn't because there's there's limited minutes, right? You can only have, I think, five subs. But also want to see the players that come off the bench, right? If it, if it is Jose Sanfuentes, what does he bring in if he subs in for K, right? How, how impactful is Jose Sanfuentes, right? Um, what are the things that you want to see from the subs in this game, Andy, moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think you touched on it. It's that it's that same thing that we talked about for the starters. It's the physicality. I mean, it really does depend at what point of the game these subs come in and how the game looks. But you're looking for what happened against Austin. You're looking for players to come in and, and make an impact and not seem out of sorts. And and this is what I mentioned earlier about the adversity. If they do go down, like how how do they react? Because it could spiral down quickly with a team like uh, like the Seattle Sounders who are fast and could score quickly. So. I think for the subs, it's, it's more about, you know, coming in and, 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 and being ready for the moment. I think Cifuentes is a great call. I, will, I think that's an amazing call to start him. I think he brings a, a bit of physicality that maybe they don't have in that midfield. And for a game like this, it would be great. Uh, but even if he does come in as a sub, whatever, him, Pancho, I mean, any of those players just have to be ready. And I think we've already mentioned this, but this is why LAFC's roster is built the way it is this season. They, they are ready to plug in place. They and talk to anybody on that team like we did today or any other day. They don't care what questions you have. They're going to say whoever's whoever's here is here for a reason and is going to step up and, and we're confident. And Bob Bradley said that's why he's confident in Mahala and that's why they're confident in Corey Bear. So I think that the same thing goes with the, with the subs. You know, you, you play somebody like Cifuentes or, or Janela and you have confidence that they can step in and replicate what Atuesta does, what Latif does, what Mark does. Now – that's the midfield. I don't know about the top three because I think they're already on their second tier right now. So if they need to start making subs in that top three on Saturday, then it's going to get really complicated. Um, but yeah, it's it's the youngsters, man. It's it, this team. If I'm not mistaken, I was looking at the stat before the before the podcast. Twenty of the players on LAFC's roster are 25 or younger. I mean, it's 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 crazy how young this team is, and the expectations yeah. are so high with players that young. It's a huge challenge, but. It's what keeps his team hungry, man. They know that these young kids are ready to prove a point. And Mahalas has started to do that. Um, I think Bryce Duke is a great player. He just doesn't 
he's not able to get the minutes because of how competitive it is. But these young kids are good, man. So they're going to get their opportunities here early, and they have to be ready for it because, like I said in the opening, you're going to reward players for good moments, and that's why Mahala is in the position that he's in now. So if they could, if they could do that, I think they'll be, you know, the subs will, will be on the right path. Yeah, Gary, let me get to you real quick. But Edgar says, Edgar Casada says, will Moon be available this coming game? No, I don't think he'll be available. We talked, we had on our earlier, Bob Riley still mentioned that, you know, he, he needs to get a couple more, you know, more practices in. I think it looks like the injury may be a lot more serious. The good thing, though, they, they have Tristan Blackman. Tristan Blackman's holding it down. So we don't, we don't see, we don't see, I don't see uh, Moon being available. Um, and then 901. Chaston says, "What other teams in MLS can win without DPs on the without DPs on the pitch?" Good, good question. We can't read too much into this game. Not at all. We definitely can't read too much into this game. But LAFC has championship aspirations, right? And we want to see the depth of this. We want to see how these young guys perform, and also the the guys that that perform off the field. I think we're just going to learn a lot because the, the what we talked about how how Seattle Sandler has been able to figure out LAFC. But Greg, let's go on to you. What, what do you want to see from 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 the subs? Right from the game, from this from this game on Saturday and moving forward. Uh, well, it's kind of hard to tell right now since we don't. I mean, some of our subs are actually going to be probably starting this game, like <laughs> like Upoku and um, you know a couple others. But you know, we got Sefuentes coming off the bench, which is great. Uh, you would have an Opoku coming off the bench. I mean, you, we, we talked about him a lot, uh, pretty much a game changer. Raheem Edwards, uh, I think that's his first name, Edwards. He had a couple minutes. Um, we, we didn't get to see really much what he can do, but, you know, maybe he can prove something as well. And Farfan was still on the bench as well. That's another MLS, if you want to call him a veteran, you know, that's another player as well. So, and then, you know, Bryce Duke, like Andy touched on, you know, has probably the best hair on the team. Uh, and he's also, he's young, <laughs> he's young as well. And um, I think he'd be quality on the pitch, but obviously he's not getting the minutes because there's too much quality. And that's another thing that I want to touch on is that you take away your Velas, your Diego Rossi's, and you leave just Atuesta. This is still a top six MLS team in the whole league, which is kind of crazy if you think about it because there's so much depth. So the subs just got to make an impact and uh, you got to make the right subs too in the right situations. If you're going for a goal, you know, you're not going to bring on, um, you know, Farfan or Harvey or Sefuentes. You know, you got to be smart with these decisions as well. And I'm sure Bob knows that. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good one on uh, on Saturday. And I'm kind of hoping that we do rest our star players. And I do want to see a Poku start. That's really what I want to see. Yeah, I think right we, we hit on that earlier. But like, yeah, if we see a Poku have a solid game, then Diego Rossi leaving the summer. It's all good, you know. what I'm saying we like Bob Bradley said today. Like he he talked about Eduardo Twista, mm-hmm. and you know doing it the right way to to go to the next level, right to to Europe, yes. right. And I think Diego Rossi has done that. Eduardo Twista has done that, and right. And I think this is what you want to they want you want to make sure that these players are proven in the MLS before they take the next step. And we're yeah. we've already seen that with with Diego Rossi and, and, and Eduardo Twista. I think the now the next young player is 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 Mahala, right. And what he does because he he, lo- he is very exciting. He is very exciting. What he could potentially do, and he and if he becomes as clinical or somewhat as clinical as Diego Rossi was or is, you know what I'm saying? Then and then it changes the complexion, and then you start to see more and more of the possibilities for this team. Um, let's finish off here. I mean, we don't have any more questions from the chat. Chat. If you guys have any questions, uh, drop them down about LAFC this this Saturday game for for either Andy, myself, or Garrett. But um, if not, I want to finish off with this. Um, Obviously, we know the, the expectations for LSC is MLS Cup, right? Um, do you do you see it that way, Andy? If they don't win the MLS Cup, then I don't want to say the season 
is is a failure because that, that's a very strong word. But with the type of players that they have this season, if if they do win it, or they don't win it. How do you? Let me just ask you this: How do you see this playing out for LFC this year? Yeah, no, I I think honestly this season might be the one that they have the most pressure to in it. If you if you look back at, at the past three seasons, there's always been a factor in in the year that has made things a little more challenging for LAFC. Obviously, the first year you're trying to prove yourself. That's just automatic. You're just trying to prove yourself. You're trying to make the league know that you're worthy of being here. And at the same time, you're taking your lumps against the Galaxy, which just weigh on you. The second year, they're chasing all of these damn records. They're they're chasing supporter shield. I mean, every game had an extra incentive because there was something on that. And you're still chasing that Galaxy win. And then last year, you're dealing with MLS's back, the pandemic. It was it was crazy. This year, like we mentioned, U.S. Open Cup is suspended. They're not in CONCACAF Champions League. It's it's tunnel vision. The focus is MLS and it's MLS Cup. There's not these factors that they've had in these past few years are not existent anymore. The league knows LAFC deserves to be here. The league knows LAFC is the favorite to win the cup. And the league knows what the quality of the coach, the player, the program, everything. So I think this is the year that they're going to feel that pressure even more than ever. And I would say, I don't want to say this in game two, but yeah, to them, it's going to be 100% a failure if they're not able to get that MLS Cup this year because there's just so much that they've done in these past four, these past three seasons to lead up to this point that they they feel like they're at the, they're at the stage that that is the only step. And Vela and Kay and company have been saying that two years ago. So imagine what they feel now if that's what their uh, thought was in two, the last two seasons. So with that being said, you know, they like I said earlier, they, they do want to win supporter shield. They do understand it's going to be a battle. But Vela said it uh, in media week uh, last week before the season started. He thinks that this is the, the best roster LAFC has had in terms of depth, in terms of how prepared they're going to be. So it's all on the table. I mean, I, I think that everybody in that organization from the top to bottom is is on that goal. And if they don't win, I think there's not going to be one person that doesn't think that is a failure. No, no, a great point. How do you, how do you see it, Garrett? Uh, it's MLS Cup or bust for me, to be honest. Uh, we got the supporter shield already. If we played in the Premier League or La Liga, supporter shield, you'd be the winner. But that's not how it works here, uh, unfortunately. So MLS Cup is what it's all about. That's the main trophy uh, for season. Uh, there, there is a lot of pressure on us because we make that pressure because of how good we are. Not to sound, you know, arrogant, but this club is good and has been good. So, and we got the players that we got the Atsuestas, we got the Rossies, the Velas, um, and we got the depth. So there's, there should be no excuses that we cannot win MLS Cup. Uh, I mean, pandemic or no pandemic, you know, knock on wood, things are slowly coming back together, kind of normal. You know, some fans in the buildings and whatnot. So for me. It's MLS Cup or bust. Uh, and also, I want to get back in the CONCACAF Champions League because I, I don't like watching other teams playing it besides us. Not, <laughs> not, you know, I miss it. You know, those are, if you think about it, those were some of the, I mean, I, went, I, got, I got, you know, the privilege to go to the Lyon game, the home lake, and that was probably That's the best game I've ever, ever been to. And LAFC and CONCACAF, uh, you know, it was like peanut butter jelly goes hand in hand. So, you know, I, I miss those games. So we just got to get a dub this year. And I mean, a big dub, um, MLS Cup. Yeah, no, I mean, you hit on that. And I feel like any team, right, with Carlos Velas, right, and Diego Rossi and what they've done in their careers, right, and MLS, right, should should be, you know, with those high expectations of what we've seen, right? And I think with, with so much talent and the limited amount of turnover they've had this season, right, they're, they're obviously one of the clear favorites. I also see Columbus Crew being a very, very tough team that they may have to get by, you know, maybe down the road. But I think, you know, if you limit, you know, 
if you're able to limit some of the injuries and you're able to grow as a team, you know, the possibilities are endless and you really lock down. I think what the one of the challenges that I've seen from this team uh, was the goalkeeper, but I, I don't feel that way anymore because of Pablo doesn't have to worry about his job. I think that kind of just, in my mind, that's the way I see it. He doesn't have to worry about his job. So I feel like, okay, he's more confident and I don't, I don't really see the goalkeeper position as, as a challenge for them. Right. I mean, Clearly, it was one game, but I don't really see because of that. Because of that, he doesn't have to fight for his job. I think I, I, it's really going to come down to the defense for LFC, how they play it as a unit, and how they're able to adjust. Right? If, if they don't adjust from like the four four three, if they, if they don't push as much, but you know, it, it's a very like you said, Andy. It, the pre, they're going to feel the pressure a lot more because you know this is the fourth year, the limited amount of turnover, the players that they have. We know that some of these players are potentially going to move on, and you know the 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 you know they're going to have a target on their back all year, and as they should be and as they should be and we're just gonna I think we're really gonna learn how this team is gonna handle that all the way through you know towards the end of the season um but with that I think we're, we're gonna end things here guys unless you guys have anything else to add we definitely hit on that um here I mean the LFC plays Seattle Thunder this day so it's an exciting game um they play at what three o'clock uh Saturday so some of the fans you know I know some fans were able to get in this game so you know it was a, it was a fun time I was there last Saturday it was a fun time to see fans, and it, you know, well, it was like four thousand fans. I mean, the 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 thirty two fifty two was rocking. The thirty two fifty two was rocking. It was good to see the the tifo uh, to to Mo uh, of Mo. You know, so so yeah. shout out to LAFC for doing that. Uh, they, they also were the four Mo, the four stuff for Mo, right? So you really love to see what 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 LAFC does for their community. Um, oh, quickly here, Edgar has has one last question. He says. If Brian Rodriguez doesn't get bought by Amaria, is there another team on the prowl? How much backlash <laughs> do y'all think there will be for for his comments earlier this in the year, whether it was met or not? Oh, I mean, the, brother, this is a great question. I'm so glad you asked this question. Um, <laughs> I think, look, Bob Bradley left the door open. But, I, I mean, any relation, the way I see it, any relationship can be fixed, and especially when you, you're worth 11, or you're, they paid for you $11.5 million. If, if you don't make it out there, you're coming back, unfortunately. But um, but yeah, I don't. Andy, how do you how do you see this with the Brian Rodriguez situation? Yeah, like you said, I, I don't I don't necessarily see a, a broken relationship there. Um, but you know, Bob Riley's not one that's going to take comments like that lightly. So uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think they hope that he does well for the sake of for the sake of maybe him not returning and him being you know him, that LAFC getting that benefit. I think I I, I mean. I don't know. I, I can't say I, I'm going to watch those games, so I don't know exactly what their standing is. I know they're trying to. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, get into get into the yeah. the, main, the main league out there. So it's going to be very. It's going to be a challenge for them. But even when Brian was in LA, he still had a lot left to give, and I still think that there was pieces that people wanted to see. So maybe it was just the sake of him wanting to go. I mean, they brought in they brought in Pancho, so I think the the Uruguay connection there was was pretty good, it was pretty solid, but. I don't. I find it hard to believe that uh, that other teams are not also keeping an eye on, on Brian Rodriguez, whether it's back here stateside or, or somewhere else overseas. Yeah, Garrett, you've been following us. You you've been having a Brian Rodriguez watch. Um, yeah. How do, how do you feel about this? Tell, tell us tell us your thoughts. Um, you know, and obviously well, potentially. Uh, I'll answer the first question. It says if B Rod doesn't get bought by Almeria, is there another team on the prowl? Yeah, my Sunday league team is available if he wants to play for them because uh, I don't I don't want to see him back at LAFC, man. Honestly, what he said on the radio, crying, and then he gets his move, and then he sets the bench over there too, by the way. Uh, and then when he does play, it's like 23 minutes or he plays 60 minutes, uh, and he has one assist, and I believe 
it's got to be 10 games by now or maybe eight. But luckily his club is, you know, on that spot where they could get, uh, you know, promoted to La Liga, which would be great. But at the end of the day, are they going to say, well, yeah, Brian, you actually contributed a lot or did he, you know, to, to me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy him. If I was the owner or if I was the coach that was watching him play, I wouldn't buy him because he hasn't done anything. And then if he comes back over here, He's now going to be behind a Poku, hopefully. He's going to be behind Ro- – well, Rossi's going to leave, but it would be a Poku, uh, Bella, and Baird maybe up top. And then Brian Rodriguez would be on the bench. And obviously he's not going to want to be on the bench because he want, he has aspirations to play for a big club in Uruguay. So where do you go from there? Do you take the L and just you know lose the money on that, which I think is what's going to happen? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, though, that another club maybe comes in for him, but it would be a really lower club, though. I don't know who it would be, to be honest. Yeah, and I think, I, like, just to finish that off, the Brian Rodriguez situation can go either two ways. I've always said that, look, I want both. I want Brian Rodriguez to stay in Europe because that opens up the 30P, right? Um, 30P spot for LFC and just makes things interesting for LFC. But if it, if he doesn't and he has to come back, because I think the, the biggest challenge that LFC is going to have with Brian Rodriguez is if they don't – let's just go with this. He doesn't get bought. Uh, is LFC going to want to loan him out again? And I don't think so because then you're going to have to wait to do you get another DP or not? You know, there's a challenge with getting another DP if you loan another player out, right? Unless it's like a two-year loan or something like that, then it's different. But the biggest thing is his price tag. He's, he's They paid $11.5 million, right? And if you're LAFC, how much are you willing to lose, right? $10 million? That's um, You're losing a million dollars off the top. That's not – 1.5, yeah. excuse me. 1.5 off the top. That, that's that That's a lot of money. You know, for LA, for any team around the world, not just an MLS club, right? You lose five hundred thousand, different story. Okay, two hundred thousand, different story, right? But it's like, what what is LAFC willing to lose on Brian Rodriguez if he doesn't want to come back? I think the biggest challenge is though the biggest thing that we could see. I think you're if Bob Bradley's gonna have to, you're you're gonna welcome him back with open arms because you have to. I mean, this guy, this guy. He owes you a lot of money, you know what I'm saying? But I think if the the only way I could see this getting ugly is Brian's like, you know, says what he said previously. He's like, no, I don't want to go back to LAC. I just want to stay here. Then it then it gets difficult, right? Then it gets like, do you get FIFA involved? What happens, right? And I don't I don't think you want that to happen, you know. And I think, hey, Brian, we give you your shot, and if for whatever reason doesn't doesn't happen, you got to mature. You got to mature, man up, and come back, man. We we gave you your shot. You you wanted to go you wanted to go then and you didn't prove yourself you got to come back you know what I'm saying now how does he fit in this lineup if a Poku's killing it Bears killing it and Danny Masovsky's killing it I don't know you know what I'm saying there, there's just a lot of challenges if he comes back you know what I'm saying so I, I think the best thing is they find someone to buy him and he moves on and LAFC moves on and then it just you know both parties are happy he gets to stay in Europe LAFC gets to buy a third DP you know then it gets interesting say LAFC is rolling and then now they have a third DP to their disposal do you get another forward did you get another midfield to get a defender you know then it's just gonna it would be an embarrassment of riches for LAFC at that point yeah you know but yeah great Edgar great question brother because I you know we 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 hit on Brian Rodriguez every now and then, but I mean I think that question needs to be asked within a month or so. Because what, uh, Gary? When does when does Almeida's season end? Uh, should be ending next month. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's month. coming soon. So so we'll we'll find out, right? Because as of now, we haven't seen any rumors or reports, right? That hey, typically, because uh-huh. typically, like for example, Daryl DK is killing it, you know, out oh, there. Yeah. There's interest out there, you know what I'm saying? 
there's interest out there. He's he's killing it. You know, you you know someone's gonna whether it's twenty million or whatever the price tag is. You know, he's potentially just not gonna come back to the MLS because of what he's doing. I don't think we really feel that about Brian Rodriguez, unfortunately. But that's um, just the way it goes. Yeah. Well, after a game on April second, uh, one of my one of the followers uh, DM'd me a message he sent to Almeria because you know he could reply to the tweet. He just put, hi, Almeria fan, uh, fans, LAFC fan here. So how about Brian Rodriguez? And an Almeria fan actually tweeted back him and said, hi, I hope my team won't buy that useless useless player. You just have cheated on us. Wow. So there you go. So we're going to lose money. It's a uh, yeah. The thing about Twitter, it is brutally honest, and they will give it to you. I love it. And you, <laughs> but at the same time, like, if that's what the fans are saying, that's they that's have no if, LAFC has no LAFC fans that don't like them literally had no influence on that, right? So that is honest feedback from uh, an Amaria fan, whether or it could be definitely brutal. Um, probably that's not something you, you want to hear, but I think if that's how some of the fans feel about him, because you, you can tell a lot about a player about how the fans are, right? Yo, this dude's killing it. Hell yeah, we, we need to buy him. Buy him. When are they going to buy him? You know, the rumors yeah. start like, hey, yeah, we're buying him. But we haven't sensed that. So, unfortunately, it looks like he may be coming back. Or we'll see. We don't we don't know what happens with that. But, guys, I, I want to thank you guys for, for being on, Andy and Garrett. Um, quickly, before we let you go, Andy, let the people know where they can follow you. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks for having me, man. It's been a good time. Always good to talk. LAFC. Uh, my Twitter is my name as it shows up on the screen. It's just a little underscore in the middle. So, it's Andy underscore Diosa. Uh, follow me there. I'll try to be at as many LAFC games this season as possible. Uh, and for the fans of the LA Galaxy, I'll be, you know, doing some work there as well. Not to not to throw the enemies in in this podcast, but, you know, it's all love here. <laughs> hey, it's all love. We talk about both teams. People people know that, so no no worries. Uh, Gary, obviously, let, let the people know where they can follow you. Uh, you can follow me at We Are LAFC Live on Twitter. That's my main thing that I, um, you know, I'm always on. Uh, and then I started this new thing where after a couple uh, after games this season, I'm going to start just going live on Twitter. <laughs> hey, you can follow me too. No, um, so I'm going to start going live after games, just giving match reactions, just say how it is and whatnot. Um, and then Andy, I just followed you right now, so you can. <laughs> and uh, one more thing, uh, Stan Kroenke, get out of my football club. That's what I'm going to leave it at right there. Get out of my, get out of my football. He's club. talking about Arsenal. He's talking about Arsenal yeah. there. I had to get he's that. No, he's the owner of the Rams too, right? Owner of the uh, Rams. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh, hey, you're not you're not too far from him. I think I'm not going to say anything else, man. I crunk you <laughs> out. Get that hashtag going. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. I've seen it. I've seen it. And yeah, we don't need to get too into that. But hey, you know, guys, thank you, thank you guys for being on, and everybody in the chat, thank you, thank you for chiming in, Edgar. Thank you for your questions. Very good questions, guys. If you guys listen on the podcast, we do obviously we do a live stream on LAFC every Thursday. If you guys want to chime in here. We have it on YouTube. We have it on Twitter. We have it on Facebook. So if you guys got questions, we'll be able to answer them live. Uh, so tune into that. But, hey, if you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure to give this a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to this podcast wherever you listen, wherever you get your music. You guys can follow me at Gio Garcia LA on Twitter. And make sure to follow us on LA Soccer Hub, like I said, on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. So for Garrett and Andy, this is Gio. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.